Let's open your Bibles to Revelation, next chapter, which is chapter 9. The title of our study is The Three Woes. Would you say that, please? The Three Woes. Um, This is not easy material to go through. And uh, I want to be as faithful as I can to share what the Scripture says. And so if you've been with us in this study, we're going through this passage. And before I read the passage, let me just say again what our vision is as a church. Our heart, our vision is to see lives transformed. Would you say that please? Lives transformed and then by the presence of God. Would you say that please? By the presence of God. When, when the Lord shows up, that's when hearts get changed. And if your heart gets changed, then your life changes and everything around you. And we recognize that it's the work of God. So we want to host his presence. We want to welcome him. And then our mission. What are we in business for? Our mission can be boiled down to four simple words. We want to engage. Everyone say engage. Say it a little louder like you mean it, to engage people in friendship and then with the gospel. Uh, you may want to write this in the margin, but the pattern for the kingdom is people need to belong, belong before they believe. Some ministries say, you got to believe right, then we'll take you. No, we'll take you as you are. So we want you to belong. And then believing will come a little later. And then We want to connect people, say connect people to our church family. Everybody needs a family. And then ultimately to the Lord Jesus. And then our next part of our mission is we want to equip people, say equip people by laying out a clear path of discipleship. If you don't know anything about the Lord, this is where we start. And this is how you can get where you need to be. And then fourth, we want to send people. Everyone say the word send. We want to help people find their destiny. We want to help people find their calling. All of us are just as called as anybody else. And that calling is going to come through your gifts and graces. So if you can figure out your gifts and what you're good at, then you can use your gifts to help people find the Lord Jesus. As we go through this really, really tough passage, it's kind of like uh, buying a car. There's all this fine print at the bottom. Let me give you the fine print right up front. Uh, I'm not telling you when I go through the book of Revelation, I understand it all. Man, if I'm teaching Matthew, I, I say I still don't understand it all. It's, it's pro- a progress, a work in progress. And I'm not telling you what to believe. And also, but I will say this, I will tell you what the scripture says. Because the scripture is always perfect. I am not perfect. And I will share some possible scenarios of how this chapter could potentially play out. Now, why are we going through the book of Revelation? Why are we studying uh, this chapter, and I will say it's because Jesus told us to do this. What do you mean he told
Well, Revelation 1, verse 3, as the book starts out, Jesus tells John to write this down. It says, blessed is he who reads. Everyone say read. Blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy. And then second, blessed is he who heeds it. So you got to read it and you got to heed it because things are happening rapidly in our country, in the world, and you need to know what the Bible says. Proverbs 9 verse 10 kind of sets the tone for this whole story. Would you say this with me, please? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord doesn't mean you're petrified of God. It means you have a respect. You have a reverence for him. And if you don't, if you never develop that, you will never have wisdom. You will never figure out life because it starts realizing he watches everything I, I do. He listens to everything I say and he rewards your disciplines accordingly. And then the second part of the verse, say it with me, please. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. He does have standards. He is holy, which means morally perfect. And if you want to be a person that understands life, you need to join on for the great adventure of understanding who God is. Now, uh, yesterday, as I was working on this PowerPoint, Sue and I had an event to go to last night. And for several hours, I'm putting this PowerPoint together and I just get in a funk. It's okay for your pastor to get in a funk every now and then. But I just got in a funk because this is heavy stuff. And I'm saying, Lord, how do I even talk about these really hard things to our church family that loves the scripture, but I need to say the truth, but I need to say it with grace. So, Lord, give me the ability to do that. Because the Lord is trying to get our nation's attention. And the question he would ask is, how much pressure does it take for you to listen to me? That's what this chapter is about. One other kind of disclaimer before we get into this. The hard things that happen in chapter 9 is brought on by the motivation of demonic spirits who are real and mess with you every single day of your life. If something bad happened in your family, if something bad happened in this city, if something bad happened in this country, they were at the root cause of it, but working through the hearts of wicked people. Now, let me read this first part. Revelation 9 verse 1. I'm reading out a New American Standard. And then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven, which had fallen to the earth, and the key to the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit, and it was like a smoke of great fern of a furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then verse three, out of the smoke came locusts, everyone say locusts, upon the earth, and power was given to them as the scorpions of the earth have power. 
Verse 4, they were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men, this is important, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. In those days, men will seek death and not be able to find it. They will want to die and death flees from them. Now in verse 7, you'll see this word, four-letter word, like, L-I-K-E, and it's used nine times. Why is the word like in there? Because John is a man 2,000 years ago. He doesn't understand any of this stuff. He sees something and it says it appears like. He can't even put it to words, but he's trying the best he can. And I'm trying the best I can. Verse 7, the appearance of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. All their heads appeared to be crowns like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like the hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, everyone say breastplates, like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions which sting. In their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. And they have as kings over them, it's this key, the angel of the abyss, and his name in Hebrew is Abaddon. In Greek, his name is Apollyon. Verse 12, the first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. So here's the first thing John sees. He sees a star falling from heaven to the earth. First thing he writes down. And was that a star like we have a star, meteor? No, it's something far more. This is a created being. This is a fallen angel. The fallen angel was given a key. Everyone say key. And the key, key means access. Access to a place, a real place, in the invisible realm called the bottomless pit. He, pronoun, means he's a created being, not a group, a cluster of rocks on fire. He, a created being, next opens the bottomless pit and smoke billows out from the pit, obscuring the sky and obscuring the sun. Now, from the pit, next, locusts emerged. Now, I don't, has anybody ever seen a locust? Uh, They were periodically come through Ethiopia and destroy every crop. They will come through a place like India and eat everything green and leave these poor people without food. And the scripture says these locusts, and they are not locusts like we think, have power. Everyone say power. Says it four times, which means they've been given authority. 
from heaven to do what they are supposed to do. And yet, these locusts are prohibited from harming any vegetation on earth, which is really weird because that's what they do. And to not take the life of one single human on the planet. In other words, the Father has placed limits on evil. Did you know he's placed limits on evil around you? And you should be very, very grateful for that. Now these creatures have one mission. And Jesus tells us twice what the mission is. The mission is to torment men or people, but a particular group. The ones that do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. This is probably an invisible uh, mark put on by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says that when a person is born again, they are sealed by God for the day of redemption. So how many have given your heart to Jesus? Hold your hand up or you've been sealed. You've been sealed with a tamper-proof seal. And that seal also says, I am protecting this one because this is my child. I own, this is my child. This is ownership. That's what a seal does. And I just want to say, in the midst of all these hard things, God is going to keep his people. Let me say it again. God is going to keep his people. Uh, one more time, God is going to keep his people. Can I thank you? Now, there is a rapture of the church. I'm not sure when that is. That could be in several places, but I'm not sure, and I'm t- not telling God when to do that. But either the church won't be here, or the church will be here, and they will be protected either way. Just like in Egypt, God's, the Egyptians got all the bad stuff. And yet when God, where God, God's people lived in Goshen, not one single thing came their way. You are invulnerable until the day Jesus takes you home. Now, if you live stupid and you go serve the devil, you just, you're at your own risk. But if you're serving Jesus, you are invulnerable until the day comes. He's ready for you to come home. Now, Jesus said this very clearly. He said it twice. The mission is for five months. You say, could that be symbolic? I don't think so. It's very clear. Five months. They were to torment the people that did not follow God. And the pain would be like a scorpion sting. Now, I've never been, I've seen them, I've stepped on them, but I've never been stung by a scorpion. I've never been bitten by a poisonous snake. I've never been bitten by a brown recluse or a, what's that other one with the little red thing? Oh, a widow's mite? Was that? No, sorry. Black widow. But these guys are going to get bit. And it's going to be very painful. I've had pain from sports injuries and other stuff too. Uh, but 
Jesus said men would want to die and they could not die. That's kind of strange, isn't it? So they get bit, they get stung, and they will receive that for a period of five months. Now, I'm just just giving some thoughts out. It could be from the bite of an insect. I don't think so. But it also could be chemical weapons that have been released over countries. We have a man that rules Moscow and the Russian Federation, and he's already threatened the people of the Ukraine with chemical poisoning. And uh, he's already threatened that. Now, this is not in your notes, but you may should write this in your margin. Three little short statements, because I want to give you the big picture. I want to continue to give you hope. I want you to see how this plays out because we win in the end. The reason for the torment, what is the reason for the torment? It's because God cares. What do you mean he cares? It's not his will that any should perish, but he wants them to turn. He wants them to repent of their sin. And I have helped tons and tons of wicked people that have given their life to Christ, especially men, when they've lost everything. Their wife walked out on them. They lost their health. They lost their money. They lost their retirement. They lost their house. And all of a sudden, people that had no time for Jesus, they're just going, yeah, I'd love to have lunch with you. Well, they've lost everything. They're willing to reconsider. And there's things worse than being sick for five months. There are worse than things... There's things worse than death. The ultimate bummer is to die without Christ. Because if you die without accepting Jesus, you will spend eternity separated from God and everything good. Heaven is a real place and hell is a real place too. And every person on earth will spend eternity in one of the two places. And God in chapter 9, is going to do everything he can to make people rethink their position. Now, the parents of these locusts, John said, they're kind of like horses in a cavalry unit that are charging forward, thundering into battle, which means to me this army is in a war formation. Is this the creature John saw? This is a bug. This is a locust bug. It's about, about that long. It flies, but they have no stinger. They have no king. And they are harmless to humans other than eating their wheat and their corn. So I don't think it's a bug. I don't think it is a bug. Or could it be something like this? Are you ready? This is my thought. Are you ready? Could it be something like that? I mean, 2,000 years ago, John sees this in the sky. He did, well, What is that? Well, oh, it looks kind of like locusts. The Boeing, 
AH-64 Apache helicopter, which is that creation, is the most efficient and lethal helicopter in the entire world. John said, I saw these things had a crown on their head. The crown suggests they conquer. They take over. They assert themselves. They rule. He said, and you read it, their faces have the appearance of men. If you look inside this Apache, you see the pilot and the co-pilot with their faces and their helmet. But also the face means, speaks of intelligence, coordination. They had, I have no idea what this is. I've thought about this for decades. Uh, do any of you ladies have hair like flowing from a locust? I don't know. This is a picture of an Apache helicopter discharging, I don't know, 14, 15, 20 different rounds at the same time. And if John happened to see this, he would go, wow, I can't describe that. That looks something's flowing behind. And these things were bristling with teeth like Fierce lions. Now back in World War II, there was a group of American army pilots that flew planes over India and over across the Himalayas to fight in the South Pacific and they were called the Flying Tigers and on the front of their planes all had these teeth looking things. But I think what it's saying, these things devour battlefields. And they are wrapped in armor plating. John said twice, breastplate. Sound of their wings was thunderous like an army of chariots charging into battle. On my back porch when my grandbabies are over there, if they hear a plane, they go, plane, plane, plane. But if a helicopter comes up, one single helicopter, we're not far from the airport, it sounds like a chariot. You can imagine a whole sky of these things. John said these creatures released their painful strikes from their tail. They have a king. Everyone say king. The script, scripture is very clear. What is this? Is this a human? This is a immortal. This is a created being. This is the angel of the abyss. Everyone say abyss. Let me tell you what the abyss is. The abyss is a maximum security prison of heaven. It's where the most dangerous, deadly creatures are placed so they can not bring the harm that they want to bring in bitterness toward God. Now, I don't know much about the abyss, but I knew a couple things. 
Uh, next Tuesday, I will be in Israel for two weeks. It's my favorite place. Uh, if you get on a boat and you go across the Sea of Galilee, you get into where Jesus stepped out of a boat one day and a demon-possessed man who was naked as a jaybird that was so strong they could not imprison him. He would break chains and he went running and screaming at the 12. And the 12 guys started going, Oh, I think the picnic is over. I think I'm getting back in the boat. I'm going back. And Jesus rebuked, not the man, but the spirits. And he apparently had something like 2,000 demonic presence in, in him. Right before he commanded them to leave. Do you remember what the spirit said out of the man's mouth? Oh, Jesus, we know who you are. You're the Lord of all. Please, please do not sentence us. Do not cast us into the abyss. They were crying for mercy. And he permitted them to go into a herd of swine. This is a real place that these creatures really feared. Now, our country has maximum security prisons. This is one in Colorado. It's where the Unabomber is. It's one of some of the most deadly people on earth are because they should never, ever, ever, ever be released because they are so dangerous. This abyss, bottomless pit, is the maximum security. Now Jude was a half-brother of the Lord Jesus. This little book in the back, and I want you to read it with me out loud. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Now this super criminal that was released at the beginning of the chapter, he has a name. And his name is Abaddon. Say Abaddon which is his Hebrew name, and it means destruction. Some people think it's Satan. No, Satan is still roaming. This guy has been in prison since the revolt in heaven before the earth was created. Some of those characters that led this revolt were so dangerous, the father said, "Uh, you're not going to roam anywhere. You're going to be held in chains until I deal with you. In Greek, his Greek name is Apollyon, which means destroyer. In the Bible, a name, we just name our kids stuff like George and Sally because we like the name. But in the Bible, names mean something. You know a name, you know what's coming, right? Now, after five months, the first woe is over. What's interesting about the five months, this is a scientific fact. Locusts only live for five months. I do not know what the correlation is, but there is a significant correlation. Now, let's go to verse 13. Let's do the second part of this. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I saw, I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. One saying to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, 
Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, they were released so they could kill a third of mankind. The number of the armies of the horsemen underlined this were 200 million. And I heard the number of them. This is how I saw it in the vision of the horses and those who sat upon them. The riders had breastplates. And notice the colors, colors of fire, hyacinth, and brimstone. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire, smoke, and brimstone. Verse 18, it's repeated. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouth. And the power of these horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. Now verse 20 is so odd. It is so odd. Because if I had gone through this, my attitude would be a little different, I think. But verse 20 says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues, they didn't repent of the works of their hands. They didn't repent of worshiping demons or the idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They didn't repent of the murders nor their sorceries, their immorality, nor of their thefts. Now, when the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and last week we talked about this, there's a temple in heaven. And the same articles that were in Solomon's temple are there. And so the altar of incense was a box about 18 inches by 18 inches, about four feet tall. It had four corners. Those were called the horns of the altar. And the high priest There were hot coals there and incense, and he would put the hot coals on the incense. And the incense symbolized something. It was right at the veil, the veil going into the Holy of Holies. Incense symbolized the prayers of God's people. And this verse and other passages tell me that our prayers, and we are a praying church, and we are mobilizing this city to pray. The prayers of God's people spur on the work and plan of God. And in particular, they move this angel to action. Why do you say that? Because you got the prayers, the altar, then the angel acts. There's a sequence right there. So the angel spoke. And when he spoke, something happened. Four other super criminals were released. Everyone say released. They had been bound. That's what the Bible says. They were released because they had been bound since before the world had been created. And notice the four timing words found in the passage. It was at the right hour, the right day, the right week, the right year, of the Father's perfect plan for redemption. Because for an indeterminate time. Does anybody know what river this is? This is the Kentucky River. That's a joke. The truth is 
in the Bible. This is the Euphrates River. When I was in Iraq three years ago, we were driving near the border of Syria, and I saw us turn to my God and said, what river is that? He said, the Euphrates. I'll go, stop the truck. The Euphrates River and that region of Iraq and Syria is some, if not the most important place on earth. It's where the Garden of Eden was. That's one of the rivers. It's where the Tabel, the Tabel, the Tabel. I've got myself flummoxed. It's where the Tower of Babel was, a real place. It was the eastern edge of the Roman Empire. You see? That's essentially, see the red right there? That's where the river is, right there. And most important, it was the location of the capital of the Babylonian Empire that destroyed Israel. And the scripture says it's ruins now. Saddam Hussein was going to rebuild it. And we know what happened to him. But this revelation says it will be rebuilt. And it will have a role to play in the end days. Now these four super criminals, when they are released, this is what's going to happen. One-third of mankind will perish. Do you believe that to be true, Steve? Absolutely, because Jesus said it would. Now, I don't know what the population of earth is, what, 7.7 or something like that, billion. Let's say the earth is 8 billion. We read in chapter 6 where a quarter of the earth died in chapter 6, which would be Two billion. We read in chapter nine where a third of the remaining earth dies. If you add those together, that means four billion people have lost their lives. Most of the American church has no idea about this because they've never read it. They've never heard a sermon on it. Then look what's next. Are you ready? A mammoth army comes from the east of 200 million. It can only come from one place. Could be a coalition. But 20 years ago, China said they could mobilize 200 million counting militia. You say, Steve, do you believe it's 200 million? Well, all I'm saying is John said, I heard the exact number. What people do not realize, including probably our government, China is on the rise militarily and economically. They are very, very serious about this. So this whole army will ultimately mobilize and move to the West. Why to the West? That's where Israel is. And they will play a figure in the last days. Now, I love history. World War II, do you have any idea how many troops we mobilized for the entire war? We mobilized 12 million. Japan mobilized 6 million. 
Nazi Germany mobilized about 13 million. There's a big difference between 200 million and 12 million. Now, now I just thought of this this week. If you were here last week, you heard the sermon last week, you read the chapter from last week. Steve, why is all this happening? Well, these demonic forces are telling the rulers of the earth because a third of the earth has lost their clean water. Third of the earth has lost their food supply. Third of the earth has lost all their pasture lands and everything like that. And so... If you're going, we're going to take what we need and we don't care who is in the way. When I was in Nepal four years ago, I was there for a week or two weeks, I don't remember. And we're just driving down a mountain, kind of gravel, very poorly done road. And I look out my window and there's about five of us in this truck and there is a huge super highway. In the middle of poverty, in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of nowhere. And I turned to my pastor friend and interpreter and said, what is this about? He said, oh, it's no big deal. The Chinese are building us a road for free. I go, bless their little hearts. They are so noble. Do you guys know the Chinese government never does anything for free? They are smart people, especially at the top. Then I found this diagram of the one belt, one road project that was announced nine years ago. And the Chinese plan, which is what they put out, we want to connect 100 countries for the economic development of the whole world. Isn't that so sweet? So here is a president, Xi Jinping. This is his pet project. And he says, we want to rebuild the fabulous Silk Road. But they're very secretive about all the details and who's doing what and why they're doing it. Well, I'll tell you why they're doing it. So in Nepal, I would see all this construction, this free construction, and I found a map of the Chinese highway system they're building across Nepal. Isn't that precious? Why would they want to go from east to west rapidly? Are you ready for this? Do you know what the Chinese sell it, how they sell it to the Nepali people? Oh, this is our friendship highway. Let's be friends. Let's be buddies. Let me bring my nuclear warheads and my tanks across your property and just leave us alone. We just want a road. Now, a couple months ago, I'm talking to one of our global partners who lives in Tanzania. And so we're talking on the phone, and he just says the strangest thing. He said... Guess what? We're getting new highways in Tanzania. I said, you're getting new highways. Isn't that fascinating? I said, let me guess who's doing it. It's the people of Switzerland. Is that right? Is it the Canadians or the people from Wales doing it? He said, no, it's the Chinese. I go, I could have guessed it was the Chinese doing it. Look 
at their map, their transportation map, their oceanic map. And if you see the little blue dot in East Africa, that's Tanzania. Because they came to Tanzania with this project. Let us build you the most modern, wonderful shipping seaport ever. And by the way, we will do it for free, but we got to be up front. We own it for 33 years. And then we have a lease for another 99 years. And the Tanzanian president wisely figured it out and goes, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. So this enormous army will be moving rapidly. John saw horses. He couldn't see this other stuff. They are heavily armored. John mentions three colors. Fire. Can you see fire there? Hyacinth. And brimstone. Now, I just went, I have no idea what hyacinth means. What color is it? I think it's kind of a bluish purple flower. And I'm just, I know it's a clue in the Bible, but I don't, I don't know what it means. Lord, I don't have to know. And then I found this photo of Chinese troops dressed in a bluish kind of hue uniform. The heads of these weapons appear to be the heads of lions. That's missile launchers, which symbolizes power. From these weapons, they pour pour forth three things, fire, smoke, and brimstone. I believe we're probably looking at a limited strategic nuclear exchange. Again, We've had the president of Russia threaten, if you mess with us, we will use nuclear weapons on you. All it takes is for one country to start it. And there will be a chain reaction. And these weapons, their power, John said, is in their mouth. And also in their serpent-like tails. And I go, I don't know what that means. And I don't have to know what it means. But if John happened to see a military convoy and he saw artillery pieces being pulled behind heavy trucks, it would be easy to think, well, that that looks like a weapon with some kind of long tail right there. So it's my guess. What we see in chapter 9 is both a conventional war and a nuclear war. That is a nuclear warhead on a missile on a Chinese carrier. You say, Steve, worship team, would you guys come out? This is kind of creepy. It's really creepy. But let me say this. The hour of the church, the church's greatest hour is coming up. We're going to see an awakening. We're going to see a revival. We're going to see millions, if not a billion people come to Christ. If I had kids, this is the time to have kids. 
This is the time to raise up grandkids as warriors for the kingdom because the heroes of the kingdom will come out of the next years. The stories of bravery and faith will be told from what happens next. If you had to pick a time to live on the planet, this is the best time. Because Jesus wins. And the church will be purified. And we will end and we will win. And, And the crazy thing about this passage, it is so crazy. It is so absolutely crazy. But I've been in the people business for a long, long time. I get crazy. It frustrates me when I know people could see their life change. They could turn something around. They don't have to suffer. They don't go through this stuff. And they choose the wrong door every single time. And I warn you, if you do this thing, these 10 things are going to happen to you. Don't do it. And they do it anyway. They just do it anyway. Now, from what we're going to read in the last two verses tells me that darkness is going to really accelerate during this. Light will accelerate and darkness will accelerate because these knuckleheads that have gone through this, they still will not repent of their wicked deeds. And the word is yet. Everyone say yet. The father is compassionate. The father cares. He allows things to happen to get people's attention. And I will never give up on anybody. I'm not going to do it. If they go through it again, I will still love them and hope the next time they won't make that choice. If the Lord gives you an assignment, if the Lord gives me a burden for somebody, I go, Lord, they will turn. Because you would not give me an assignment. You would not give me a burden if they were not going to turn. Even if I die and I never see it, they will turn. They will turn. And they didn't repent of worshiping pathetic, stupid demons. If you're not worshiping Jesus, you are worshiping a demon. Because something is in your heart other than Jesus. And they didn't repent of worshiping man made idols. Idols of, John laid it out, gold. Idols of silver, silver. Idols of brass, stone, and wood. And I added plastic. In every election, people say, well, it's the economy, stupid. No, it is not the economy. It's obedience to God, stupid. The economy is just a symptom. People in our culture worship plastic. And if you love anything more than Jesus, you are worshiping idols. Well, how would I know? Let's look at your calendar. What do you do with your 168 hours every week? How much of your Bible do you read on a daily basis? What's your prayer life like? Are you serving with your gifts? Are you attempting to share the gospel with people? How much time do you give to TV, ESPN, Facebook, golf, your garden, washing your stupid car? There's nothing wrong with any of that. But if Jesus is not first, it's an idol. Because these idols, they don't see. Look what John said. They don't see. They don't hear you. 
They don't talk. I mean, I love India, but you go to India and you go to these places and people are worshiping these big things of plastic and wood and stone. It's very clear what they're worshiping. In America, you're worshiping and it's not clear. These things don't talk. They're not alive. Why are you giving giving your affection to this stuff? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a waste of your life and your heart. And Jesus said they don't repent of their murders. Do you know it's going to get more violent? Did you know that? Here's this 18-year-old guy went into a supermarket last week in Buffalo and just mowed down 10 wonderful people because he was listening to a demon and his heart was filled with rage. Folks, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. They did report of their repent of their sorceries, which is witchcraft. But the root word for sorcery is pharmakia, is where we get the word pharmacy, which means drug use. Do you realize drug use is going to get worse? And today, if you're addicted, you need to get free. If you're selling dope to make money, you better repent of that. Casual drug use will ruin you. Smoking weed will ruin you. They say it's harmless. No, it will ruin you. It will ruin you. And we have politicians around here who want to make it legal. And they didn't repent of their sexual craziness. Well, like what? Do you have a porn addiction? Are you looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at? It will ruin you. Having sex before marriage is called fornication. God doesn't want that because it messes you up. Homosexuality will ruin you. It will ruin your future. It is never God's will. God did not make you that way. You have been seduced by an unclean spirit that says you were made that way. That is a lie. That is a lie. And if you are married and you're stepping out on your spouse, it is called adultery. We've all made mistakes, but the issue is these people never repented. They never said, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I want to live better. And here's another one. They never repented of stealing. It's going to get worse. Because people are going to take what they want. Now, I want to close with this. I saw a movie Thursday night. It was only around one one night uh, called The Harbinger, Things to Come. Some people really like this Messianic rabbi, Jonathan Kahn. Somebody think he's nuts. He's got a lot to say. I sat through that movie. It's messed with me all week. And let me tell you where Jonathan Kahn is perfectly spot on. He says this, America's in trouble, and we are. We are in huge, we are in more trouble than anybody knows. 
Then he says God is warning this country and speaking to the church. COVID last year was God speaking to the church. And we are not listening. I want to say this too. I want to make sure I'm clear. Our nation is not protected by the military. And I thank God my wife served in the Air Force. I thank God for the military. But they are not going to save you from this stuff. And let me tell you what. Our country is not protected by our economy. Oh, we're the strongest economy in the world. Our economy can crash in a week. And our nation is not protected by our government. Try that one. Try that one. Oh, that's a great one. Try that one. Our country is protected by one, and it is God Almighty. And if we, the church, we tick him off, we're just done. So Jonathan Kahn ended that movie in a way that touched me so deeply. Because he went through American history and he went through Israel's history and he said, we only have one solution. And it's found here, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. And the Lord told Solomon this because of the threat. And they didn't even pay attention to what the Lord said. Say it with me, please. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. So as we close our service today, the last five, six minutes are the most important time. Would you join me at the altar? Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Let's confess our sin. Let's seek his face. Let's pray. So would you join me at the altar?
As we enter into a time of worship, just feel free to stay at the altar and pray at your seats, sit, stand. We're just going to lift up the name of Jesus. surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every wave at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Silence, fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Breathe, call these bones to live, and call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus. darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus oh Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus you silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Sing your name, O 
Maybe you're watching online. That's the first thing that has to happen. So right where you are, just say, Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior today. Forgive me of every sin. Wash me clean. Make me your child. Give me a home in heaven, and I will serve you all my life. Now, Father, I pray, mobilize your church. This is the greatest time to be alive. It will get darker, but it will also the gospel will get brighter. So use your people. Bring an awakening to the city. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. There's people here to pray with you. Pick up your children. Serve him well. for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you're encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.